Channeling raw emotions through music videos, award-winning writer-director Charlotte Regan keeps the tempo through the world of cinema. Scrapper follows a grieving child thrust into adulthood and a father in over his head. Scrapper is in select Australian cinemas September 14th. Charlotte, thank you so much and welcome to the Foyer Reference Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Having you, holding us, like there was a lot of feelings in this film and I'm very excited to talk about Scrapper, especially Lola um, as well. But I kind of want to start off with music videos and I guess the, the nature of the music videos that you were making. Did the journey of capturing music videos to directing a feature film feel like a natural sort of progression for you? Um, yeah, that, I don't know. Like, I think I found, like, even with this film, yeah. like, we did some press the other day and everyone was like, how was it directing Harris? And, and I was like, oh, like, with music videos, you, like, stand on a rooftop with, like, 50, you know, rappers, like, stood yeah. there, up, like, not wanting to act. And you're like, please, guys, could you just look a bit happier off the video? <laughs> and they're like, what, bruv? So yeah. once you, yeah, I feel like it's a great... You gotta be rapping, you know. You gotta stay staunch in these streets. Keep that moody face. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta keep the fingers in ideal pointing position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paris is very, very chill in comparison, and very willing to. And you've worked with Harrison before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We worked together on a short back in the day, a very, a slightly dodgy short that we don't talk about, but yeah. It's oh, okay. Least... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, it's <laughs> the Voldemort. It's the Voldy. We don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's a bit it's a bit of a question that's a bit unexpected, so I might leave it for later in the interview. But there's a lot of um, music video turned feature film directors. Um, that I just want you to percolate and have a little think about um, later on in the interview. But it's so cool to understand your context. Um, And I guess coming into that context, you talk about Scrapper being a joyful story about working class worlds, right? So you're on an estate. It's set in the estate. I'm from Western Sydney, so I'm all the way in the other place. (laughs) But even watching the film... I'm like, I've seen Georgia before. I've seen Ali before. Um, I've also seen Jason before. I've I've dodged him. But, you know, (laughs) the world felt so real. And I guess because we are talking about class, there are definitely sort of like similarities as well. What was it like being able to, I guess, stay true to your own experiences that, yeah, there's the hashtag struggle, but there's a lot of joy as well? Yeah, yeah, it was it was always the most important thing to us when we were kind of developing the story is like like working class people are allowed to be like joyful and they're allowed yeah. to be funny. So if anything, like hardship I find breeds more humor than anything. Like dark humor is kind of my favorite brand of humor in it. So I just didn't want them to be defined by their their hardships or or their trauma. I wanted them to be defined by like who they are, like what they love, like what they enjoy doing, their beliefs, you know, like, and that came from everything from the cinematography to the production design to just like letting people, yeah, exist in that joy, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's kind of like that test of like when you meet new people and you make a joke that maybe is a bit too far, I'm like, oh, you're not my people. <laughs> you just like, you, you don't get it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is the idea of like dark humor set in a net where you drop a dark joke and you're like, oh no, like yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I think it's also one of those things of like, you know, it, it isn't until like later in life if you can afford therapy, if you have great people in your life, if you can enjoy little luxuries where you're like, oh shit, like I've been through it. Like I continue to be through it. But like as a kid, you're just out and you're living. Yeah, yeah, proper. The world you're in is the, the best world possible. Do you know what I mean? You don't like think, oh, I, ha- I have less than other people. It's actually only when like, it's like you say, it's only like when I came into the film industry and then I met so many middle-class people that I was like, oh God, my upbringing was a bit different than it. Because these lot are talking <laughs> about a different kind of upbringing to what I know. But yeah, so I can never decide if it's like, was uh, were our upbringings like harder or is it the lens of this like middle-class perspective that is you know like making it feel that way do you know what I mean and the judgment of being in these spaces that we feel like we don't belong speaking of people that you've met throughout the filmmaking world um shout outs to Molly uh the DOP for the film yeah yeah um in a Wachowski matrix sort of timeline I did have a chance to speak to her about how to have sex but this will actually come out before that I think but it's so good to be able to meet you and she's she seemed great you seem great like it must be such a great sort of creative space to be in yeah yeah yeah. Molly is one of my best friends in the world and we were friends before we started working together which I think you don't get with many collaborators and it's like incredible like I, I think her film is like fucking incredible like and she yeah. is an incredible like just creative she can do any role and she can smash it you know what I mean but it's amazing kind of doing the journey side by side you know like oh just text her whenever or she'll text me when we're experiencing something and we often find it's something both of us have had to yeah. navigate at some time and it's incredible having a friend who you can talk to about that for sure Oh, that's great. Um, well, I guess let's let's go back to Scrapper. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the tone of the film, and I think that comes to what we've already been talking about as well. Um, I think because I guess um, we had Georgia as the centre, I was expecting it to be a bit more like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there were some scenes that were more of like a slow burn or were like they just let the scene sort of, simmer into the next sort of scene um which was really cool because you can sort of build that sort of dynamic between Jason and Georgia but I guess when you were working on the film um how did you decide on what the tone would be um I I think it came it came to us slightly when we set out to do like a joyful working class film and Mm -hmm. and just like naturally the, the tone I love in films is like films like The God or films like Taika's film Boy and stuff like that. I was or thinking like, Hunt for the Wild of People as well and Boy when I was watching yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just balances tone so cool and he's like so down to like take risks and, you know, and even if those risks are sometimes flawed. And I think we, me and my producer Theo always said we'd rather make like a flawed film that takes risks over like a perfectly packaged film that doesn't yeah, yeah, do yeah. anything. I guess yeah so it came from that I guess yeah yeah so it's like a living and breathing um sort of energy uh one one of the core sort of themes that were explored in the film it was more it was more just an underscoring as opposed to being like the core sort of piece but grief is explored 
um, through this film. And, you know, insular stories about grief are really my thing. Like, I just really enjoy those sorts of films. Um, and I think, you know, through the last few years, all of us have been through some sort of loss. And I know this is a joyful film and it is about a young girl as well, but what was it like channeling something as heavy and also as connecting as grief in Scrapper? Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was quite magic really. Like um, when I was writing early on, I lost like my my dad and my nan and I actually found like, um, sorry, looking into like how kids deal with grief and children's books was actually helping me to cope with it more than I was reading so many books about it, like written by adults, obviously. And I just find adults tend to like make it like an academic subject, subject, like, or make grief, like something logical. And it, and it's not, you know, it like, it can't be defined or put in a box. And I think there's the kids stuff I was reading was, was more willing to, to see that and to like be present and to just be like, your emotion might be this today and it might be this tomorrow. And that's just like life, you know, and I, we're I laughing, we're crying, we're yeah, feeling exactly. everything. Yeah. That was a much better approach. I feel like with everything in life, grief included, we could always all do with being a bit more like kids or a bit more connected to who we were as kids for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great to explore, I guess, the dynamic between Jason and Georgia in that it wasn't like, oh, we don't want him here or maybe we want him here. Like, I feel like it, for myself anyway, watching the film, I felt the way Georgia felt. I was like, I'm not sure about you, but I'm OK. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was very much like what was happening with Lola and Harris as well. Like Lola is a very suspicious person. So she was like, I think I like Harris, but, you know, he's got to win me over. He's got to grow on me, you know. So it was it was great that like their relationship was because we filmed semi chronologically, obviously not always totally. It's not possible. But so it was mimicking like what was actually happening so it was lovely when we got to the end, like the where they dance in the hangar is our last, the last scene we filmed. And that was when they were at like the peak of their friendship and they'd grown over the six weeks. So it was great that it was like happening in real time as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the train station scene was my favorite one in particular. Was that, was that an easy one to, was that an ad libby sort of scene or was it all pretty scripted of narrating over that couple? Yeah, yeah, a bit of both for sure. Like Lola is naturally a heavy improver, so she loves to improv. And yeah, her audition tape, right? She's insane. She can just (laughs) talk rubbish for hours. Honestly, she really can. It's incredible. So a lot of that we we workshopped that scene. That was the scene we went through the most. Like when her and Harris first met, in particular, and she brought incredible ideas to it, and and so did Harris. They're probably responsible for like most of the good dialogue in the film. I'd say, yeah. It's just it's such a great Inchilla film, and you just fall in love with everyone. Um, something that I really loved as well was the. I don't want to spoil anything, but I guess just the sense of imagination. And we really get to that sort of build up throughout the film as well. Were you one of the kids that had like a really big imagination growing up? Um, No, I I don't think so. I was pretty, yeah, that didn't have much. I read loads of fantasy books. I was obsessed with the Harry Potters, the Lord of the Rings of the world, but I couldn't create my own 
stories at all yeah 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 no yeah well that's a thing right because it's like you told me there's a dragon on the page and I'm like bet but I'm like people are imagining things and I'm like I don't I don't I don't see it that's it yeah 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 (laughs) I think it's that struggle you know it's just like we take it for what it is if you tell us what it is that's what it is it's (laughs) do you have any sort of favorite uh music video turned filmmakers I was trying to think of some. I'll go quite. I'll go quite recent, I guess. Um, I love Av Rockwell's film. And um, what was that film called? A thousand and one. And oh I feel like, yes, 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 yeah, yes. That was beautiful. I've seen music videos from Av. Um, and then Savannah's film Earth Mama. I kind of oh, I yeah. love, I love some of her short film, short form work back in the day as well. It was incredible. Um, and then uh, we had like uh, was like banging the perfect cinema film we had over here, like Rye Lane, um, okay. and the director came up like with short for, like commercials, music uh-huh. videos, kind of stuff. So that was one. How about you? What's your top this, three? But what this is think? like straight off the dome. Are you sure you're not a rapper? You just had it all locked <laughs> and loaded. <laughs> no. What, what are you saying? Who's some of your gems that have gone to? Uh, I, well, I, I always talk about the most iconic opening scene in all cinema, and it is Hype Williams' belly with DMX and Nas. It's just gorgeous. Um, I just, yeah, it's just, it's effortless and it's great, but I'm making it about my film stuff, so we'll continue. (laughs) But I just, (laughs) like, it's just a gorgeous, like, it feels like a whole music video, but it makes sense to the narrative. Yeah, Um, but yeah, maybe there'll be like a belly adjacent in the States. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about the Sundance Ignite program, if that's okay. Just for budding sort of filmmakers and creatives out there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it's, it is like this incredible space. Like being a part of Sundance in any way is just mm-hmm. sick. Like they are legends and the community is incredible, but... The Ignite program in particular, like you got to, I can't remember how many it was. I feel like there were 12 of us from around the world, like who were at similar stages in our careers. Um, And just that in itself, like the same thing I'm talking about having Molly as a mate, you know, like meeting people that are at a similar stage to you. We all still speak to each other to this day. And that was over five years ago that we met, you know, and we're across different, different countries or whatever. Um, and then you get given like incredible mentors and, and just like you only have to ask Sundance to like try and introduce you to someone and they'll be down to try it. You know, if they know the person they're willing to help, you know, and still to this day, like that was a one year scheme. And I still feel like they are a massive like part of my career and you can give them a shout if there's like something you want to ask. And yeah, it's just sick. It's sick to meet so many mates that are making films and feel so inspired. And then obviously getting the free Sundance tickets and flights banging because who (laughs) who else at that age can afford to like, yeah, go to the accommodation is Spenny at Sundance. So that was a pretty mad experience as well. Yeah. That's what dreams are made of, right? It's hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I honestly feel like that's the best way to make films. It's not, not that the traditional route of filmmaking is a bad thing, but it's more if you have the experience and if you have stories to tell, you find your way to make the film as opposed to being there and being like, 
give me your story. Give me your story. I'm going to tell all of your stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, in regards to the film, there were some really cute sort of moments with Ali and especially the mum being like, where's your uncle? I've never met your uncle. Like all of those sort of things that just felt so natural to, I guess, the working class sort of environment. Is that like the stuff in the script and like building the character sort of interactions, was that something that was pretty much easy to do? Yeah, like, I don't know, Theo, my producer, was a big part of of that and and just the cast do it, you know, like we just had such a sick cast that were like would take my awkwardly written scenes and and run with them, you know, with a worse cast. I don't know if worse is a word, but we're gonna run with it. <laughs> um, it would have been much much dodgier. Um, so yeah, we didn't think about it too much. They felt like characters we knew and recognized, and we always grounded ourselves in that. As long as these characters feel real and feel like people we've met in these worlds, and we're not kind of going too far into fiction then it's calm yeah yeah is it do you have a a favorite sort of scene that you shot throughout the film oh I'm mad I don't get mad into this I'm, I hate watching the film um <laughs> Lola says her favorite is the train station and I'm happy to follow Lola's Lola's lead I'll take that one as well if that's her favorite it's mine as well yeah yeah, well, I, I think that's a good answer as well. How is it being involved from end to end in regards to the film, writing, directing, editing as well? Like, how is it being involved throughout the whole process? Um, no, it was like it was magic, you know, like I, that's kind of one of the things I love most about film is like, like the the change of pace mm. and the change of people like you go from pre-production where it's like loads of talking about things and these fictional ideas that you can't yeah. envision properly and then you're on a shoot and it's like chaos and then you're in an edit with like one person and you just sat there chilling like having bougie salads for lunch and it's like <laughs> the the change of the change of pace and the different environments you get to be in I don't feel like many other jobs kind of offer you that kind of like varied structure I get like super super bored like really easy maybe that makes me a boring person but I'm mad with like the, I can't even in the edit I have to be given like Lego sets to build or drawing to do because I can't just sit there so Molly is this, exactly the same weirdly she's obsessed yeah. with Lego um so yeah film is great for like yeah just like the stimulation of like different people and different environments is amazing yeah, well, you talked about Theo. Well, what's that working relationship about? We love a shout out. I also love how just very naturally you're bringing your people and you're bringing your team in. You're giving them a shout out. I want to hear more about your sort of working together on Scrapper with Theo and also other projects as well. Uh, yeah, Theo is like one of my favorite humans in the world by far. Um, I've actually moved into a new flat and he lives two roads away from me. So okay. um, definitely a big part of my move was like Theo's nearby. I can like hit up Theo if I'm in crisis, you know, uh -huh. like you worry when you live alone that you'll wake up in crisis and I'm like, Theo will be there. Um, yeah, he's he's one of my best friends. Me, him and Molly were very much like uh, like a trio of mm -hmm. like sit together on nights off and, and talk about the film or just not talk about the film but just hang out together you know and we and we still do we used to do like we'd call them family cinema nights with the three of us Love and Theo, Theo would pick something super arty and me and Molly <laughs> would be 
let's just go and see this Marvel film and this banger. Um, like these buildings are about systemic oppression and all of that. Yeah, he's all about, he's all about the, the films that stick with you for the weekend, isn't it? Uh, yeah. As where me and me are all about the, the mad joyful ones. So yeah, he's incredible and he's incredible with script. He's he's great with cast, you know. He's just the perfect kind of like partner through through work. Yeah, yeah. It's a gorgeous balance, and it really comes through in the film as well. Um, I'd like to wrap up with our final question. We finish our reviews with a recommendation. So, what would you pair with Scrapper as a double feature? <laughs> uh, oh, whenever anyone asks this, because it gets spoke about so much. All I can ever think is After Sun because, like, I still need to see that. Oh, it's a banger! It's a banger! It's absolute banger! Yeah, yeah, yeah! yeah. It's sick. Um, So I'm gonna say After Sun because it is what like some of my favorite reviews are. Uh Like, um, I think my mum found one on Letterboxd, and I was like, I love the bad reviews. If I'm feeling good, (laughs) they like bring me mad joy, and my mum loves them as well. (laughs) And like my favorite one yet was. this Charlotte is the worser of the two Charlottes. The other Charlotte who made After wow. Sun is a much... And I'm like, that is a poster quote, bruv. Like, picture house, everyone should put... That. That's a poster vibe. So as I'm going to say... As a fellow reviewer slash critic in my dark little damp corner of the world, <laughs> reviewing is weird. It's a weird space. But if you enjoy it, then that's okay. But it's a, oh. yeah, it's a weird place. <laughs> Yeah, you have to have an opinion and you can't like win everyone over. And the so I'd say 100% after sun, the because we get compared to it all the time, which is the biggest compliment because it's like an incredible film. Like you've got to see it is like, like floors you emotionally and has some of the most amazing performances. It's like one of the most confident first features I've ever seen for sure. It's beautiful. Well, don't tell anyone, but you can tell everyone that you're my favorite Charlotte. <laughs> Thank you so much. Double feature of After Sun and Scrapper. Thank you, Charlotte. It was so great to meet you. Thank you. You too. Have a good day. (laughs) Cheers.